This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hey, welcome to Unlock, the official podcast for Ginlock. Uh, let's roll that beautiful intro, shall we? God, wasn't that beautiful, guys? Hey, I'm Blaine Gibson. Welcome, welcome to our podcast. Uh, who, who am I joined by today? Who, who do we have with us? It's me, Cypher Den, also known as Denise Rodriguez, but you guys could call me Den. And uh, I am Curtis Richardson, uh, full governments aside. Uh, you can call me Kurt Ritchie. Uh, and welcome to Unlock, the Genlock podcast. Welcome, everyone. And if you're interested in Kurt and I's uh, couple name, it's Blurt. Uh, it's yes. very important uh, that everyone know this. We thought about that for a solid three seconds. That's right. Um, Honestly, yeah, I ship it. I yes. ship it. I see yes. it. I do. I do too. <laughs> uh, so, guys, what are we going to be talking about on this podcast? I wonder, based on the title and, and all the, the graphic stuff. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, wild. Uh, it we're is talking a... about Blurt. That's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Blurt, <laughs> Blurt podcast. That is what it says on my outline right here in the right after cold open. No, uh, here on Unlocked, uh, we're essentially doing what uh, we do, but after watching anime, but you know recorded and in front of you guys uh talking about anime uh specifically jen Locke. we're gonna theorize yeah. i yeah. like theories yeah. what's gonna theories. happen next i think we'll yes. also we'll be doing like recaps and then we should have a bunch of special guests uh stopping by writers actors uh everybody everybody's gonna mm -hmm. be talking jen Locke on this show it's gonna yes. be a good time so do you guys want to start with a recap of episode one which is when the leaves began to turn oh <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I took uh, notes. Oh, I, did oh, then, then I took notes. I thought it was a, a Nintendo Switch that you just pulled up. Wait, uh, it's a what? whole iPad of notes. Oh my god! It's a dedicated technology for it. Okay. Uh, I I did notes in my brain. Uh, mm. Y'all got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I guess season one. I mean, right off the bat, it starts out the team. They've been together. They've been fighting battles mm. for a while. There seems to be a time jump. Uh, yeah, it's a big tell. time uh, jump. I mean, enough enough of a time jump for someone to take over an entire country. Yeah, uh, however long you want that to be. <laughs> it yeah. was just a week, actually. Oh, it was, yeah, I truly hope not, bro. All that emotional trauma crammed into one week. Yeah, so I mean, it, I guess it's safe to say that the the polity's not doing too well against their uh, foes, the union. Yeah, maybe. I'm yeah. really excited about the season, though. I just yeah. want to know more. I want to know more about mm. all the characters, Cammy specifically. And it seems, <laughs> oh, yeah, we all do. But it seems like that's what we're kind of getting into uh, this season because the first episode kind of starts off with them pretty much recapping everything that's been happened in the span of time that I don't exactly know how long it was. Mm. Uh, yeah, where the union have essentially taken over the majority of the country. The line is no longer have been holded. It's uh, being pushed back quite a bit. And they're probably like one battle away from being completely taken over. Well, and didn't they lose the anvil too? Like their big yeah. cool base. Yeah. That, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I will say though, in their battle, they are doing pretty well because like the boss battle at the end of episode or season one was Nemesis. And now they're yeah. like, he said what? They fought like first they sent us eight and then 17, then 29. It's like, yeah. good Lord. Yeah. Honestly, the fact that, it wasn't already all taken out already. Good work. You know, yeah. good job. As as little as that means, considering you've lost your entire home. 
Yeah, I, but... I really like the fact that the, the the Nemesis army was kind of like a reflection of Cammy's bunny army. I was so with that. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Come on, there was like a bunch of bunnies. <laughs> but uh, considering considering that, yeah, the Nemesis has been uh, doubled, tri tripled, quadrupled. Uh, they've continued to uh, make, uh, I guess, these electronic clones of Chase. Uh, and have been slowly kind of pushing them back, which honestly, I feel like probably could have, would have made the most sense from the beginning. I mean, they had one, it took one of them to pretty much stop all five of them. So it was mm. only the natural next step. Yeah. Just clone them, clone them, clone them, clone them. Control yeah. Who C, cares about ethics? Yeah. They, <laughs> they were, that is yeah, that, essentially what it was. <laughs> they control C, control V. Well, it's messed um, up too. Cause Chase is also like, he's like, yeah, I'm killing myself over and over again. He's like, he's just yeah. constantly just choking That's himself so out. Yeah. It I is. was, yeah. Cause the trauma, I, I could tell there was a little trauma at, at the end of like just a little season girl. one. Yeah. Just a <laughs> tiny bit. Since we're doing understatements, yeah, like, it's just a tiny bit of trauma. So yeah, having to murder yourself over and over and over again, uh, probably not the, not the best. Someone might need a little therapy, especially considering he isn't, you know, a real boy anymore either. Yeah. Uh, yeah so a lot, a lot of pain there. I feel like. <laughs> well, I, it, it seems like there's a lot of drama between the team, too, because, you know, all this fighting is causing them to get all worn down and just burnt out and stuff. And mm -hmm. then there's mixed feelings on should they, like, you know, do the whole, like, mind melding, you know. Yeah. And Chase is afraid because he doesn't want to lose, like, the pieces he has left of Ooh. him. Yeah, which is kind of wild because at the end of season one, he was, like, it barely, it took him a little, like, everything to get him to, uh, you know, meld with everyone. And now, after years later, when pretty much the whole war is over, he's like, nah, I, I get it. I kind of get it. I was yeah. At first, I was a little like, come on, bruh. Like, <laughs> we're all about to die. <laughs> like, you, you don't want to learn about uh, Kazu's uh, guitar practice. But I, I get it. I or understand. free Japanese lessons. The dude, yeah, you know, hello? you, you yeah. combine with Kazu, and then you just, you know Japanese, which is pretty rad. Yeah. Like, but I get it, because he doesn't want to lose his last, like, bits of himself, because... uh he's lost most of it so i like i understand uh yeah. he's still wilding a bit but i understand i get it so after that i guess we also find out the stakes you know like it's these battles have been rough but like an even harder one is on the horizon they're yeah. all worn down and the general says like hey listen you guys got a big fight coming your way there's a huge attack uh i'll let you vacation for forever if you can win this one <laughs> When, when she said that, I was like, cap. <laughs> Get out of here. Yo, you win the one big war, and you're like, all right, you guys are good, even though we have the rest of the country to take back. I'm like, yo, it's cap. But it, it goes to show, though, because she's kind of been more or less capping the entire time because she wants to bring back in uh, the one thing that'll save everyone, hopefully, uh, yeah. is cloning the squad, at least to some extent. They're using uh, their brain copy. copies, yeah. yeah and copies. Mm. Although I would like to imagine that she wasn't lying, and then you know, after the end of this episode, the the rest of the season is just the team on vacation. We get to see them playing with bunny rabbits, learning guitar, yeah. <laughs> at the beach, whichever yeah. beach they have left. And <laughs> moral... not on fire, <laughs> yeah. And there's Boiling. moral dilemmas happening. Yeah, maybe maybe they get to take a nice beach episode break while a bunch of uh clones of them that are morally and uh unethical are fighting i think yeah. uh 
I think that's fine. That's fine. That's totally, that's totally reasonable. I took a note on Dr. Ja saying to Leon, like, in his deathbed, I hope Leon wakes up one day to know his mind's responsible for saving humanity, and then he dies, and that's when, like, <laughs> humanity's, like, gone. Maybe yeah. his mind was blown because he he realized how cool of a thing he did, and then he just goes. Ah. And he's like, "Yeah, I've kind of, I'm, I'm kind of checked like, out." I, 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 I mean, what a way to go out, though. I mean, <laughs> he just dies like with a peace sign up. Just... Yeah, like, yeah, like, I'm out. Peace. Yeah, I'm done. See ya. I'm done. Nah, that'd probably be the way I'd want to go out too. <laughs> One of the things I am curious too is uh, they they talk about the this escape to Mars and how that's like a bastion of hope and stuff like ah, that. But apparently that's baloney. Uh, I'm really curious to see what's going on on Mars right now. Yeah, yo. I, so I I and it, I find it interesting because uh, they 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 sell this false hope of of Mars, right? And I don't. I don't know if they they got into it a bit more in in episode two, but this is for episode one. But we finally am starting to learn a bit about the union mm. as well, which is something I really wanted in the first one. And it seems like they also are selling a dream too. Yeah. Uh, but but it's it, I don't know. It's a nice little parallel between the two of Mars having this hope for everyone, and then the union having this supposed hope for everyone, and both are there's something wrong with both. Yeah, you, know I mean? you start you start yeah. to realize the gray, especially on the polity end of things, because by the end of the episode they're talking about like, oh, the attack on New York. It was the Union, yeah. ah, bad guys, mm -hmm. and then it's like, were they the first attack though? Like, yeah. who actually did initiate this whole thing? Which that's, that's a conversation. For who shot too. first? Kind of yeah. situation. Yeah. The, I feel like that's the cool thing about like this season at the beginning so far is because when when it first started, it was very much like you know, the polity. We're the we're the dogs and yep. the union. Those guys mm. suck. They killed your family. <laughs> no, come on. And then and now we're seeing of like the the little cracks inside of mm. it. Uh, especially especially at the end, like what Blaine mentioned, that there might be they might not have hit first. But I'm pretty sure there was a cold war going on among them for a bit. And yeah, then they just attacked. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not as it's not as clean as we initially thought, which I like. Well, I mean, it definitely seems like the season one, like I was thinking like, even with like Chase in, in his language, it's like, okay, yeah. this is like a lot more mature and grounded, kind of oh, yeah. dark. But then yeah. it, did take, it did take a turn after all that stuff where like we got to see them in their mindscapes, you know, their cool like hangout oh, spots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was really, that was really cool because, uh, I mean, because they, they played with that idea or like like initially in season one, but now everyone's like really chilling in these cool little areas or not chilling everyone is uh very full of anxiety but yeah. <laughs> not not too chill uh but it it's a cool extra it's a cool little extra they added yeah to be another place to be very stressed in so what'd you guys think about the door though in chase's mind what's behind the door i don't know like obviously it is I think it has some. I think obviously all I all I I really think is it has something to do with the fact that he doesn't want to like blend with everyone else because it like it combined it they could find out and so it has to be something he's like very scared of. Not, I'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure, but I feel like I, it's got to more. It's got to be his copies, right? Something to do with like his other Chase selves that are out there. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they're kind of connecting with him or something because he. <sighs> That's 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 true. Because at the end of season one, he like touched him real quick, 
like mm-hmm. the, the real, real touch on the face yeah, really. yeah the very sensual self-love <sighs> but not in the co- good way uh type and then he like he i he might have saw something but i could see that i could see that yeah that or it's mm-hmm. just a really bad knock knock joke just just wait he's just like <laughs> it's a way to come, come in i don't want to hear it no yeah yeah it's a, it's a it's a your mama joke yeah uh, that really, that <laughs> he thinks it's funny but he knows everyone else wouldn't like yeah <laughs> chase's mindscape was definitely the most depressing of the groups because it's just like it's his apartment he's living in his memories but his like oh, mom and sister are bruh. just like frozen and his sister just sings you know Bro, that I, freaked me out yo yeah. i saw that i was like this isn't healthy at all <laughs> there, this can't be good i like at first i was like oh it's his mom and his sister and then and then he was like yo turn up the music and i was like oh it's his mom and his sister oh. <laughs> yo uh yeah there's there's definitely a bit more trauma uh, back there but i get it he's been killing himself uh uh for quite some time well, uh, the episode did kind of wrap up on, like, left a lot of questions, that's for sure. You know, we had uh-huh. the thing about, well, who started the fight? Who made the first strike? Was it the polity or the union? Because we saw the attack mm-hmm. in New York, and obviously we thought, oh, the union's the bad guys, but what did the polity to start that? And then um, mm-hmm. also we got to see Dr. Weller, or I guess a version of Dr. Weller. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was nice. Which was nice. I was, I, yeah. I, I mean, it was, it's still, it's still supposed to be homeboy robot. Like it's what his knowledge he said. Well, so it's, it's inside Caliban. Caliban. Evil baby yeah, Caliban. Yeah. He's just a baby. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Tiny baby Caliban. I was like, this is what he's really like. He's like <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, coin the, the, the name Calababy. He's the Calababy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Copy, Calababy. Yeah, Calababy. Yeah. That was, it was mad cute. He was yeah. mad cute. But I think that there was something mentioned like, oh, if they got a copy of Dr. Weller, like things are game over. So it's like, I feel like that means that Caliban is like at risk. He's, he's, oh. uh, mm-hmm. something might happen to Caliban. No, Calababy. Calababy. <laughs> no. Yeah. Dan's more concerned with the, the baby version than the, the one who yeah. could take down the year, like, which is understandable. But yeah, that is. It's the, the bunnies and the Calababies. Yeah. Take Weller, yeah. I don't care. Keep yeah, Calababy. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's the only way to save the union or to save, uh, save the polity. But um, yeah, they, they mentioned that at the, the end of season one, too, uh, when when he had died, that like, yo, they probably, probably don't let anyone know that he's in there mm. um yeah so yeah that that is a big yeah that is a big fear nah, i'm thinking about it i didn't even think about that it's, it's a ticking time bomb the, the caliban and calababy uh yeah <laughs> yeah no. both are essential to the war effort <laughs> both are essential to the war effort mm. good to be back with the series and those characters mm. and see how they've grown stuff like that you guys have any other aside from the death of calababy do we have any other predictions for what might go down this season um the the one thing i i well i'm glad the show is doing uh less of a prediction more of like a observation is i think we're really going to see how bad both the polity and the union are mm. uh because i mean they've already been showing inklings of it and i'm guessing on the path we're going it everything something's got to give at some point and the team is going to realize that the polity isn't exactly they thought they were and i think that's going to come to a head at some point yeah my my question is like i think both sides are obsessed about the afterlife in a way because dr weller was talking about how it's like being in caliban and it's like a dream 
and they have Chase coming back to life again and again. Does that like kind of lean into immortality and just being able to live in the digital space? I hope we get to see more like tech and stuff you know like in season one mm. we saw the holons you know start with just like they're just kind of skeletons you know they're big robots mm. and then they like slowly evolved to like take on the appearance of their of their you know pilots so it's like you know yeah kazu's got it, like armor and samurai stuff mm. on his and yeah they're getting more uh personalized and yeah i feel like that'll that'll go more it's not a it's not a mech anime without uh the upgrade though so i'm yeah. A, I'm a, yeah i would love to see i would love to see uh upgrades more in the tech too. same so uh i feel like we've been doing a lot of speculating uh mm -hmm. and now it's time to actually uh dig some answers out of people uh who actually know what they're talking about <laughs> uh we're gonna have dan dominguez the writer of episode one here in a little bit and maybe he'll answer some of our questions Hello, everyone. Uh, so I have the pleasure of getting to chat with the executive producer and head writer of season two of Genlock. And can I just say the man with quite possibly the best IMDb profile picture I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Daniel Dominguez, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. Actually, I should say of that IMDb profile picture, they made me change the first one I put up. So that's like my well, second choice. My first What was one the first was, choice? It was I mean, me. <laughs> It was me standing in front of a, a fake, um, like, tiger head, you know, like, lop, fake lopped off, you know, like, a mounted tiger head licking uh -huh. a rifle. <laughs> ah, okay, maybe I can see why, maybe, might add up, maybe there's a problem. Yeah, uh, glad to have you here. So I wanted you to walk us through the thought process of rising, writing season two of Genlock. Like, how was that for you? It's, I mean, it's interesting because it's such a unique experiment in that, you know, the show lived on the Rooster Teeth platform before it came to HBO Max. There had been a, a pretty serious interim between the two seasons. And there was this interesting sort of expectation where it was going to be like, you know, some people will come to this show having seen the show and some people will come to the show having not seen the show, which is like a very interesting space to be in when you're like a densely serialized, right? Yeah. Like piece of television, right? Like it, it's sort of weird. It's like saying like, well... All right, Mad Men season two, a lot of people don't see the first season. So you walk in, yeah. you're like, I don't know what the hell Don Draper's doing. Why is he doing yeah. any of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was a really interesting balancing act. And so really what we want to do is, you know, um, I really, man, the whole, I, I don't know how many times I watched season one. <laughs> like I watched it so many times. Because, you know, I really, really want it in my brain because it's so important to honor the first season and we mm -hmm. have to continue all these storylines. So you have to really yeah. know it, really know it in and out and mm -hmm. fill in blanks that, you know, exist in that space and so forth. And I made all my writers when I hired them into the room do the same. So we all yeah. walked in and we we're like, okay, how do we honor the first season, keep all the storylines going, but also build something that with just like, you know, an eight minute Last time on this entire season of television, let's say 40% of the audience, that'll be enough for them to go, I can dive into the show, invest in the characters and that kind of stuff. And so that was a challenge. I don't know that there's been another exact sort of version of this before. So it's it's funny you say that because I had actually I had actually put on season two, episode one, and I was watching it with my roommate who had never seen season one, mm -hmm. right? And I put on the TV because I love to take over the TV with whatever I'm watching. Uh, and he was like, he immediately got caught on to what was happening. 
And I get it because you guys did, uh, I think, a really great transition. It's already so fleshed out, like right from the beginning. So oh. y'all really, y'all really did the thing. I was well, listen, say. Kurt, if we can have this whole interview be me sitting here while you pay compliments. To oh, the perfect. Show. <laughs> via your roommate i'm listen i want it i want yeah it. All right. oh, this would be beast. a great interview <laughs> totally no, I, fine with that no i do genuinely appreciate it it's really sweet like i really we really really care very deeply like I'm, boy we connected emotionally to the story and and, and like i it, it just so like honestly so many kudos to both rooster teeth and hbo max to just have really let us go like we're like look if this is going to be on HBO, we want this to, we want this to rise to the quality of of Watchmen or Lovecraft Country or you know, um, of Game of Thrones or Succession. Like we want it to live alongside those things, and really, like so much of the great adult genre animation that's come out only in the last couple of years, let people know that this is. This is prestige television the way prestige television can be. And I, I think you can tell that from episode one that you're hitting these tones. In fact, episode one seems to be setting up a lot on morality and what it means to be human. So, like, what other chess pieces can we expect to see coming out uh, that you're willing to, to divulge without giving too much? Uh, I'll say nothing that will spoiler alert you uh, because um, you know, <laughs> I don't like being sued. Um, and also, you know, it's just it's just fun not to not to see the pieces. But I will say, like, if just to pull that into like a thematic lens uh, space, I think I can be I can be a little expository about that since you brought up morality. Like for me as a writer, I don't believe in heroes and villains. I just don't think that, and I don't, and I think good and evil is also a bit of a silly and reductive way to look at the way human beings interact with each other, interact with, uh, and, and walk around in the universe. Mm. So especially of the antagonists, everyone thinks they're the hero of their own story. And so to me, it was just an, a wonderful arena that they had set up uh, and like part one of a story arc to enter into the space of like essentially in season one, these are like kids, quote unquote. They're late teenagers, right? Early adults who are like, we're on the right side of history and we're doing good and there's a wrong side and a right side of history. And the interesting thing about adulthood is you very quickly realize, crap, things are complex and there's a lot of moral ambiguity and grayness to the world. And I remember my experience of that revelation and the the the, the challenge of, of then going like, oh, well, how do I maintain my benevolence how do i feel like i'm doing the right thing what kind of compromises do i need to make and can i feel comfortable making and so to me it's honestly on a deep in the deepest level it's the story of people entering into adulthood and realizing we are like morality is not black and white it is gray and trying as best they can as we all do to 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 have the greater percentage of who they are and the actions they take be what they perceive as the right actions. But all the, all the fear and ambiguity, like you never know, you know, no matter how many decisions you make, you're never totally sure you've made the right one. Uh, also. Um, so a question we had as a group that we wanted to, wanted to know specifically, how long after season one did season two take place? Uh, somewhere between four and six months. Four and six months. Dang, yeah, they took over the U.S. at a pace. They went on a uh, clip. Yeah. yeah, took about mm. half a year, uh, mm. and they they got they got they got what they needed. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, fairly quickly. Yeah, um, I hope we. I hope by the way that we 
justify that and then the, the temporal mechanics of that, like the logic of it ends up having landed in a satisfying way. I think we ended up doing a pretty good job of justifying that by like episode three, but uh, you know, some people are going to probably be like, damn, that was fast. Yeah, we're, we're almost there. I mean, I already expected it to, it makes sense because at what they were doing is using the continued uh, models of chase over and over and, and using more. And all we had was the same five group, a exactly. part of the Genlock program. So I'm like, all right, yeah, that's gonna, it's only gonna help for so long. So that I, was I totally me. That was like we didn't, we wanted to very consciously not do anything from the lens of plot, but from the lens of story. And what I mean by that is that this, we should have the uh, story that was growing built organically. I didn't want ever, us to ever have like things we were trying to get to because then like you might do something artificially. And so. Like all of this is just all of this is stuff that we pulled from the first season to build the second season, and like that is a specific like you're saying is like to your point yeah when we when we were like thinking about the first season it's like well if yeah if they have an unlimited printing ability yeah creatures <laughs> and are and are and the and the polity is stuck with four <laughs> like, and they, on top of that they have they have the smoke which the polity does not have like mm -hmm. the polity is so technologically outgunned yeah they're not going to be winning yeah losing on a massive scale and and honestly dramatically well that's an exciting place to start for protagonists so that was cool yeah. it was yeah, just taking, it was, it makes sense it was incredibly engaging to see like oh we're we're like this is do or die time and i think that's great because it already gives more reason for all of these um, morality questions to come. Like, yo, we're losing. It, it's either cross the line or die. So what do right. we do? And that seems like a great thing to start off the season with. All these very anxiety-inducing questions. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wonderful. Say. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, I think, I, look, I go to art for anxiety, so. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, thank you for instilling anxiety in me through your art. Uh, it's, yeah, a I, I mean, it's a beautiful cycle. I, I appreciate it. But you're yeah. right. Like, we're, we're, human beings are animals, right? And a cornered animal doesn't behave as rationally or, um, or as morally um, or is in an emotionally healthy way. You're, when you're cornered, you're in a panic state. And that's, I don't know. I think that's so profound. I think so many people in around the world feel on one level or another, for one reason or another, really cornered in their lives. When you're in fear, you, you don't act as your best self. And that makes it really hard to, in, I think, engage as a cohesive society and like problem self because everyone's freaked the fuck out all the time. And so... Yeah, I do want, like, having our characters in a similar space emotionally and wanting them, they want to do the right thing, you want them to do the right thing, but then, but then, I don't know, I just connect really emotionally. I, re I relate to that going like, oh God, I want to be the best version of myself, but like so many things are freaking me out right now. Yeah, no, I get it, especially in the times we've been been in, in the pandemic, like, I, I feel like everyone relates to that at some point. People are losing their jobs, like, yo, what do I, what can I do? That panic has hit everyone at some point yeah so that's a yeah it's a great point to be on yo uh i am so excited to see where this goes uh you guys have planted some really interesting seeds and i'm really curious to see how they grow in this story but uh thank you for for joining us dan like honestly it was a fantastic time oh yeah no i really appreciate it and i uh hope i only swear i only swore the correct amount for uh for you guys i, I don't think it was enough personally but uh our producers might think otherwise ah perfect <laughs> you're welcome thank you. appreciate it dad thank you so much
Well, that was a fun interview, and we learned a lot. But that's not all we have for you today, is it, Din? No, it's not. We also have the lovely Monica Rial, the voice actress of General Marine. And we have some questions for her about her role. So let's ask her now. Hello, hello. We have the lovely voice of, of the General Marine, voiced by the lovely Monica Rial. Hello, how are you Hello. doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. So we jump into episode one of season two with a little bit of a time jump. We see Colonel Marine now has been promoted as general and she has her back against the wall. The union is coming down on the polity, but she's she's telling the team, oh, you guys have a little vacation after you fight this last battle. So she obviously still cares about the team. What kind of mindset is she coming into in the beginning of the season? Well, I know for myself as the actor, like coming back, I was, first of all, just so happy to come back because at the begin at the end of season one, they kind of left it as like, is she just going to hang out by herself? What's going on? So I was super stoked to come back, first of all, um, and then to get into the mind of the now general. Uh, she has <laughs> always had kind of that maternal feel with her pilots and her team. Um, she's always been very cautious, very maternal with them. So I think that coming into the second season, we're seeing even more of that. She's even getting more protective of like, you guys really need some time off. We need to give you some time to just kind of chill before we get into the the big aspect. I think she knows what possibly is coming down the way. And so she wants to make sure that her team is 100% prepared because she certainly doesn't want to risk any of them because she does care about them so much. She's the mommy of the team. She is the mom. You know, she's she taking care everybody. of everyone. Yes. <laughs> she's pretty awesome. So another question we have is, how is this role compared to some of your other roles you have taken up in anime? So first of all, this is prelay, which means that we do the voice acting before the animation is done, which as a predominantly dub actor has been incredibly freeing. Because normally we're just really, our performances are bound by the mouth flaps because we have to match the already existing animation. So getting to portray Marine has been just eye-opening because I got to just act and not worry about what the flaps were doing or anything. It was so freeing and so liberating. But not only that, as far as representation goes, being Hispanic, there's not a whole lot of Hispanic characters in anime. In fact, yeah. I think I've probably played the three or four <laughs> that exist. Really? So yeah, I've done like two that come to mind are like Michiko Malandro and Michiko and Hachin and, um, you know, Lara Gonzalez and School Rumble. And that's pretty much it. So it's so cool to have not only a Hispanic character, but then to have her be uh, Puerto Rican as well is like, so cool because there's so many people out there that don't get to see a Puerto Rican character or see a Hispanic character. Um, and especially for me, like I got to kind of pay homage to my dad. Um, my dad has a very heavy Spanish accent. So I kind of took his accent and then talked to my Puerto Rican friends. I'm like, how do I switch this to be more Puerto Rican, less Spanish? Um, but it's been just such a creative journey that I've really, really enjoyed because I'm behind between the uh, the accent and the prelay and everything. You just you feel so connected to the character because you really are just creating them from scratch. And it's so cool to see the end result and see it all animated. Whereas with the anime, you're kind of watching it as you go along. 
But when I watched the first season of Genlock and I saw everything that I kind of had in my head, um, but on screen, it was just so cool to have it come full circle like that. So I'm really looking forward to uh, the entirety of season two. You said that you got your you got a little bit of inspiration from your dad. Yeah, I find it so cool because I know my husband's Hispanic, so I I definitely understand the different Hispanic uh like everyone has different accents and whatnot. So just pinpointing it to one uh, specific, you know, country is definitely something that's so interesting. It really is. I love languages and I love accents and, and, and I love cultures, but mostly I love learning the intricacies of different languages. And so for me, I got to completely nerd out with Marin because it was like, not just, okay, let's do a Hispanic action, accent, but let's get that Puerto Rican accent in there as much as we can. And so to me, that was really exciting and fun. So what do you enjoy about playing this character the most? Oh my gosh, I absolutely love Marin. I love that she is this this maternal figurehead of the team, um, but she still has a sense of humor. Like we've seen her kind of snicker at the little jokes. And when she was dealing with Dr. Weller, she definitely had a level of patience that Monica does not have. Um, so I, I just am so enamored with her as a character because she is so strong. She is such a great leader. Um, and she has to make some really, really hard choices that I, as an actor, when trying to put myself in that position, find it even hard to, to contemplate, like, what would I do if I was placed in that position? It's, it's absolutely mind blowing. Um, the kind of things that she has to decide for the fate of not only her team, but like the world. It's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Just a little she, bit. That's yeah. <laughs> she handles it so well. And I, I can guarantee you that um, if I personally had to deal with anything that Marine has to deal with, I would be probably a basket case. I would just be running around like that Kermit meme. Just <laughs> <laughs> last question I have any Easter eggs or theories you want to point out? So I'm really not good at this because I will accidentally <laughs> give away a lot. So um, I will say it is an amazing season. Um, I got to do some work that I'm incredibly proud of, and I'm sure that the rest of the team did too. So I hope that you guys enjoy because we really put our hearts and souls into it. Um, and I can't wait to see all of it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for hanging a out. Pleasure. Ditto. It was a pleasure interviewing you. <laughs> Ditto, anytime. Yo, that was dope. Uh, but now uh, it's time to hit you all with a little gift, uh, a little preview of episode two uh, right here, right now. Dream, what's going on? We need to go.
you have a union card? There's a lot you don't understand. Guys, what does it mean? What does it mean? Bruh. No. <laughs> Is she betraying her boy? Oh, I, uh... Who's to say? I, I never thought I'd say this. I kind of wish she had died. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. We're gonna find out more about the Yugi. Hopefully, uh, with this new one. Uh, goodness Are gracious. Are we gonna find out more about Mama? <laughs> uh, Mom, <that's>... no. <laughs> Mom, no. <laughs> All right, that was an exciting clip from episode two, uh, which is gonna be coming out shortly next week. So tune into that and tune into episode two of Unlocked, where the companion podcast to Genlock. Uh, we'll be doing these discussions after every episode we'll be having special guests we'll be teasing you we'll be talking about calababies and bunnies and <laughs> blurts yeah so yes. uh, yeah tune in yeah it'll be a fun time and we'll be very anxious uh yes feel free to check us out <laughs> in the next episode it'll be fun all right see you in the next one see you next bye. time <laughs> bye, -bye.